share it with you at this time, but probably a month and a half ago, the Lord, in some private time with Him, gave me the new theme for the new year, and I'm already singing the new course, but I just don't want to let go of that one. I like that one. It, it helps me as a pastor and as a Christian. Take your Bible, Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1. As soon as you find your place, please join us by standing. <clears throat> I said this for each and every week, Lord willing, if he tarries his coming, that on Sunday morning we will talk about a different aspect uh, of the Christmas season. I'm not chiding you, but I do think as a pastor we should guide you. I'm not going to preach an anti-Santa Claus message. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't put lights on your house or a tree if that's between. But I'm here to, in these weeks... I would pray that on Sunday morning, the Holy Spirit of God would direct our attention to the true meaning of Christmas. And it really isn't reindeers and snowmen and, and gifts. And, and I enjoy Christmas like it's my favorite time of the year. Uh, but I hope that, and it is my prayer, because we've never done this. We've never taken from Thanksgiving to Christmas and preached just on Christmas. But I would hope that in your heart and mind, that the Lord would help us to understand what a great gift we have. What a great gift was sent to us some 2,000 years ago in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, I'll begin reading verse number 26. We're going to read more than we normally would read. Please join me in verse number 27 and every other verse until we close together at verse 37. Luke 1, 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in, uh, in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angels, Angel, how shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Holy shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I want to speak to you this, this morning on Christ's unequaled gift. Christ's unequaled gift. Father, help us this morning. Direct our hearts and minds. I love the Christmas season. It's a wonderful time to share what we have in Christ. And yet, Father, even as your people... We can get busy buying and selling and, and receiving and taking and, and giving gifts that we lose the true meaning of Christmas. 
I would ask that if you tarry your coming, and we have several weeks on Sunday morning to look into your word and get the true meaning of Christmas, that you would work in my heart, that you'd work in our people's heart. And this morning as we examine this aspect of Christmas, the virgin birth, would you help us to understand the purpose of that little baby coming some 2,000 years ago? Would you guide us by your spirit? Would you help us and prompt us to make the moves? The next step in our relationship with you, would you use the message this morning? We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Baptist preacher. 
Muhammad Ali at this time had pretty much converted to the Islamic faith and he was in the course of his studies. As this Baptist preacher had a heart for Muhammad Ali, he shared the virgin birth, the blood atonement, and the work of Christ with the great boxer of old. Ali said to him after he shared his faith, he said, you say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because he was born of a virgin. He did not have an earthly father. He said, preacher, Adam didn't have either a mother or a father. Wouldn't that make Adam more God than Jesus? Answer that question. The Baptist pastor responded, champ, I want you to understand that Jesus was not the Son of God because he was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin because he was the Son of God. Jesus did not have his start in Bethlehem's manger. This morning we talked to you about the virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we understand this, that most people that you and I, our circles, do not believe in it. Most Americans flaunt it, make fun of it. If you say, and I say, that we believe it, and now's a fine time to share it, they will look at us in a look of disdain. The devil hates the virgin birth. This morning, I want to show you that there is no hope of salvation apart from the virgin birth. And this is what Christmas is all about. We said this as we started our first congregational hymn this morning about a debt that you and I have. And it's true, you and I have a sinful debt, a debt of sin. And that debt has to be paid by someone. Jesus came, and when he died on the cross, he paid your sin debt and mine. That doesn't mean that you're on your way to heaven, nor am I, until I receive the payment that Christ did on Calvary's cross. So this morning, in three different ways, I want us to examine the virgin birth. I want you to look at, first of all, the sacred mystery of his birth. The sacred mystery. Look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? The angel had just announced to Mary that she was going to have a baby. Mary knew this was not possible because she had never been involved intimately with a man. She was a spouse to, jo to Joseph. That was the second step of a Jewish wedding. Jewish wedding was in three parts. And the espousal was the second of the three parts. But until the final ceremony took place, they would not come together as a husband and wife. So Mary, when she hears the news, says to the angel, how can this be? And she says there, look back in the Bible, how shall this be seen? I know not a man. What that mean in the Greek text, it means this. No, not means she never had sexual relationships with any man. I want to show you the answer that the angel gave to Mary. Look, if you will, at verse number 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What a blessing, Lucy, to see you here today. What a blessing, Victoria, to have you here today. Phil and Mary, Brother Phil's brother, passed away this week. What a blessing to have Phil and Mary here. 
And I know this is not the message, but may I leave you with, with, with a thought, Lucy and, and Victoria and, and Phil and Mary and, and, and those that are kind of going through something. I know what the doctors say. The Bible says, with God, nothing is impossible. And it is our prayer that God does touch and God does heal. And some of you are going through something that looks like it's physically not possible to happen. And may I remind you to dwell on the same message that the angel gave to Mary. No difficulty you face this morning is too big for God. The virgin birth does not depend on you and I understanding it to validate it. It happened. Do you understand everything about how it happened? I don't. I've studied it. I'm gonna, we're going to dip into some things today that maybe you've never thought about concerning the virgin birth, and I still don't understand all of it. We accept things all the time we don't understand, do we not? Can you explain to me how a black and white cow can eat green grass and give white milk that turns into yellow butter? Anybody got an explanation? Huh? I can. I grew up on a farm. I fed the cows. I milked the cows. We took the milk. You remember, how many of you remember when you milked a cow? And watch it. We milked and put the milk. Well, I mean, we didn't take all the milk home and sold the milk. But you take, mom had a large mouth glass jar. And you put that milk, fresh milk, not homogenized, not pasteurized, in the refrigerator. What happens? Oh, the cream rises to top. And his kids, I don't know if this is not the right way to do it, I'm sure, but we did it. We'd skim that cream off. Oh, you know, mom would make homemade uh, peach cobbler. And you take warm that and you put a little bit of that cream. Oh, oh. Or you could take, if you get enough of that cream, did you ever do this? We did this as kids, stupid kids out on a farm. We'd take that cream, we'd put it in a mason jar, and shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, till we got what? Butter. Not butter like Land O'Lakes, like you get. I mean, this was butter. All right? A black and white cow eats green grass, gives white milk to turn to yellow butter. You can't explain it, and I can't, but I ate ice cream last night, and probably will eat it tomorrow. All right? Dr. Vance Havner said this. He said this. When he's talking about things that we can't explain, he said, I don't understand electricity, but I'm not about to sit around in the dark. I can't explain to you everything about the virgin birth, but it does, God doesn't need us to, to, to validate it to make certain that it happened. It happened. Amen. Watch this. Mary asked a good question. How can this thing be, seeing I know not a man? Many would say that a virgin birth is biologically impossible. Listen to the angel's answer. Is there anything too hard for God? I got to hear, and I just think, and you think about this, and Brother Bliss, I don't know, in your library, or Brother Stephen, or some of you men. Dr. R.G. Lee was a prince of preachers. He learned a new word every day. When he spoke, you just, some of the words, the flowery languages that Dr. Lee spoke. But Dr. Lee was talking about this. Listen to what he said. He wrote a book on miracles, and in a passage in that book, he said this. I don't believe that our God is an impotent, puzzled bellhop 
running up and down the quarters of the house he designed by his omniscience and created by his omnipotence, having lost the key to some of the mystery rooms of his own house. It is impossible for him to be baffled or bothered or chained by the physical elements. Our God is not bound by the laws he himself created and instituted. He is the maker and the master of the universe. So the physical laws that God put into place, we understand how that works biologically. A, a loving husband and a wife, and God blesses their union with children. Science can explain that. Biology can explain that. But you can't explain the virgin birth. But it happened. Look in your Bible, if you would, 1 Timothy chapter 3. If you turn with me, if not, I'll read for you 1 Timothy chapter number 3. I'm going to say this to you. If you believe in creation, you should have no difficulty with the virgin birth. I'm going to get myself in trouble today, but not willingly. I've read this verse, studied from this verse, preached on this verse many a time. Watch what it says there. And without 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Was that Jesus? So when the cults tell us, knock on your door and tell you Jesus is not God, they're a liar. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. I'm going to tiptoe in an area I've never been. I believe that it's quite possible that the angels never saw God. I can't prove it. But I believe that this verse may lend us to understand the angels. God is a what? Is a spirit. Spirit's invisible. So is Timothy telling, is Paul telling us here in the writings here in Timothy... That the angels saw once God was manifest as a babe in Bethlehem's manger. That the angels saw God for the first time. I can't be dogmatic about it. But I think it possibly is true. Is it possible that down through the eons of time that no angel ever saw God? Because God is a spirit being invisible. Could it be that the first time any angel ever saw God was when God was made human flesh? There in Bethlehem's manger. I would say this to you, don't worry if you can't explain the virgin birth any more than you can explain God. When you can explain God, maybe your God is too small or you are too big. But simply this morning, we join in Mary by saying this, with God, all things are what? So we look at the first aspect of the virgin birth and the, the mystery, the sacred mystery behind the virgin birth. Whether the angels saw him for the first time as he became human flesh and Bethlehem's manger and the virgin birth biologically impossible. How God broke his own laws and bent his own laws so that a, a virgin could give birth who knew not a man. Not only should we look at the sacred mystery I want to show you this morning. The saving ministry of the virgin birth. Look at chapter 2. Go with me now to Luke chapter number 2. The saving ministry of the virgin birth. And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to chide you. If, you came, if I came to your house and you've got a Santa Claus up or you've got reindeer up, pastor's not going to preach you a message. 
But is the devil not very coy and very, very cunning when he gets us to think that Christmas is not really about a babe in Bethlehem's manger. It's really about snowmen and reindeer and lights and tinsel and, and gifts and buying and selling. Boy, the devil just pulled a fast one, didn't he? Shall we talk about the sacred mystery? But I want to show you the saving ministry. Who was this little baby in Bethlehem's manger? Look at chapter 2 and verse number 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He's talking about salvation through knowledge of Jesus Christ. John Calvin was not right on this. Jesus did not come for the elect, for the predestined. He came for all. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So here now that babe in Bethlehem's manger, he is coming and the angel said, I don't want you to fear him. Nobody here this morning should ever fear coming to Jesus. You shouldn't fear what Jesus what it would mean if you came to faith in Christ. Look at verse number 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a prophet. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a teacher. Say it together, would you? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is... Do you see why I say this morning there's a sacred mystery of the virgin birth? I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But it happened and praise be to God. But there's also a saving ministry of the virgin birth. I'm going to say this to you. If you believe that he came and he came as a babe in Bethlehem's manger, but you've never received him as your Savior, you destroy the reason for which he came. The only way to faith in, the only way for forgiveness of sins is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The saving ministry, the virgin birth and the incarnation that is God being made flesh were necessary for your salvation and mine. I'm going to say this to you emphatically as I can. If Jesus was not virgin born, we have no Savior. We have no Savior. Go with me to in your mind to Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. Adam and Eve had been created by God and had been given dominion in the Garden of Eden. Was that not true? Were they over the animals? Were they over all of the plant and vegetation? They're over everything. They were given total and complete dominion. But then if you see in chapter 3, verse number 1, it says something like this, and now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he said unto Eve, what did he say? Hath God said? And Eve listened to the serpent. And she took of that forbidden fruit she gave to her husband. He ate of the fruit and man did what? He died. You say, they lived hundreds of years after that. They died spiritually. Man had dominion, but think about this. They forfeited to Satan when they fell into sin. Rather than being servants of God, they became servants of Satan, and their sin affected the entire human race, and it still affects the human race today. Our dominion was lost by man, and the only way it could be restored is by a man. The man, Christ Jesus. 
the importance, the sacred mystery of the virgin birth, but the saving ministry of the virgin birth. Not just any man can restore man's dominion. It had to be or he had to be a sinless man. Only Christ meets those credentials. All of us today, think about this, are represented by two men, Adam or Jesus. Everyone here is represented by one of those two men. In Adam, all what? Die. Say it with me if you can quote the verse in Romans 5, 12. Wherefore is by one man sin into the world. Who's that man? Adam. Wherefore is by one man sin into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now watch this. You could be represented by Adam. You have a physical birth, a fleshly birth. But you've never been born again. John 3, you're represented by Adam. But watch this. Some of you understood that like I did when I was 12 years old in a bonfire in Monument, Colorado. Went to my youth pastors. and Brother Cherry, I'm lost. I've been down the aisle. I've prayed prayers. I've been baptized, but I'm lost. He told me about Jesus, about that little baby, Brother Tommy. And I accepted him as my Savior. Now I'm represented by Jesus. In Adam all die. In Jesus all what? Live. First John says you are passed from death unto life. The saving ministry of the virgin birth. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth it shall die without the shedding of blood. There's no remission of sins. Sins must be paid for. It must be atoned. The man who would atone for man's sins, must he himself be sinless? He must be holy. He must be perfect. Go with me in your mind in the Gospels that Pilate has the Lord Jesus Christ standing before him. And he says this, I find no Did Pilate want to find a fault in Jesus? But he couldn't. You won't find any either because there were no faults. Is there anyone in this auditorium this morning that would stand and say, I've never sinned? None of us could pay that sin debt. We look at the sacred mystery of the virgin birth. We look at the, the saving ministry. Had Jesus Christ been born like we were born, he would have been a son of Adam, right? He would have been a sinner. He could not have been innocent. Look at Acts 20. If I didn't already get myself in trouble, I probably will now. Acts 20. Whose blood flowed in that little baby's veins? Whose blood? Was it Mary's? Was it Joseph's? How do we know that? Look at Acts chapter 20. This is a unique place to find Acts chapter 20. And look at verse number 28. Paul speaking here to we pastors. Take heed thereto unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. Watch this. Which he hath purchased with his what? Own blood. I don't want you to think about this. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
When you got saved, you accepted Christ as Savior. And watch as you became a part of that body of Christ, the church of the living God that Paul is talking about here. And he's saying now here, this is the blood of God that purchased you. And that blood of God was in that little baby's veins in Bethlehem's manger. The sacred mystery of the virgin birth, the saving ministry of the virgin birth. Had Jesus been born like we were born, he would have been a son of Adam. He'd have been a sinner whose blood was in that little baby. It was none other than God's blood. He was sinless then. So he alone could atone for man's sin. He was born of a virgin that we might be born again. Don't you like that? He was born of a virgin in John 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Rabbi, we know that there are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles except God be with him. Nicodemus was a good man, but Jesus looked right through his heart, and he said to him, Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born. Jesus came and was born of a virgin so that we might be born again. He came to earth so that we might one day go to heaven. He came, he became the son of man that we might become the sons and daughters of God. That's what Christmas is all about. Had he not been born of a virgin, he would not be the son of God. I want you to listen. This goes a little deeper than I've ever done myself into the virgin birth. I hope you'll understand this. Mendel was a great scientist of old. He did his work in genetics. He is the one, the father of the DNA code. Listen to what Mendel said concerning the scientific code that we talk about, DNA. He said, every individual is the sum total of the characteristics recessive or dominant in its two progenitors. Every individual, everybody here is the sum total characteristics recessive or dominant in its two progenitors, that is, your two parents. All that was in your father and mother is in you. Not some, all. You are the sum total of the genetic characteristics of your father and your mother. I didn't say that. The father Mendel of the DNA said that. Now let's put it together with that little babe in Bethlehem's manger. According to Mendel, those characteristics may be recessive or dominant. They may be lying low, so your parents had good characteristics about them. They're in you. They had bad characteristics. Those two are in you. What does the Old Testament say? The sins of the father, the sins of the father are visited to the children, to the what? Third and fourth generation. Right? Let's make an application. Now let's apply Mendel's philosophy to the virgin birth. All that's in your parents are in you. Suppose we have one of three possibilities. Suppose the parents of our Lord were both deity. God and God. Everything that's in both of your parents is all of it's in you. Could Jesus save us? Because he's not man. He's God and God. So we have another opportunity, another possibility. He would have then have been God because all that his parents was in was in him. He would be perfectly God, but not humanity. There would be no hope. He would be unapproachable, untouchable. Suppose the parents of our Lord were both human. 
then Jesus would have been fully human. He then would have been a sinner. In Adam, all are sinners, and in Adam, all die. But we know that Jesus' father is truly God, and his mother is truly human. Then who is he? He is God in the human flesh. He is the God-man. Not half man and half God. Not all man and no God. He is the only begotten Son of God. He's the only one qualified to die on the cross for your sins and mine, being man and God dying for the sins of mankind. We look at the sacred mystery of the virgin birth. I don't understand it all. We look at the saving ministry of the virgin birth. I want to show you lastly, we've seen the sacred mystery of his birth. We've seen the saving ministry of birth. Now we look at the sovereign majesty of his birth. Look back now, if you would, go back to Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel. The sovereign majesty of his birth did the king... King Herod tried to kill Jesus even before he's born? Sure did, didn't he? Aren't you glad we serve a sovereign God? Look in your Bible. Chapter 1 and verse number 20. Look at this if you... I'm sorry, verse 30 through 32. This is not one. Let me see here. Okay, look, verse 30. An angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in the womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. All right, now watch the sovereignty of God. And he shall be great. Brother Miss Rogers, little Peyton going to be great? Absolutely, because Rachel's Peyton's mama. <laughs> Little Katie Ann going to be great? Your little child going to be great? We don't know that, do we? But the scripture said he's going to be great. Sovereign God. Look, watch this. It'll describe what he's going to do. He shall be great. Now watch this. What verse were we in? He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no... Aren't you glad, child of God, Christian? We're on the winning side. What about if those Muslim countries overtake God's chosen people in Israel? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. That land, and I remember this as a, as a young teenager listening and watching. I think he was guided well mind, but, but, but Menachem Begin and Jimmy Carter went to Camp David to sit down and give the Golan Heights and the West Bank to the, to the Muslim people who offered and said, listen, we're not going to be satisfied until there's not a Jew alive. We don't want to be coexisters. Uh, co-inhabitants of Jerusalem, we want Jerusalem all for ourselves. I'm going to say this to you. Jerusalem already belongs to somebody. The sacred mystery, the saving ministry, the sovereign majesty. Look at one last text and we'll close for today. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews, if you cannot turn there, I'll read together for us. Hebrews chapter 1, the sovereign majesty of his birth. 
This would be a good one when they knock on your door, want to have a Bible study with you. They did. I was over at Josh and Rachel's house this week, and here came, here came two ladies. I said, Josh, what are you going to tell them? He said, I'm going to point them to the pastor. <laughs> Thank you. Look at verse number 8. Isn't this great? Hebrews 1, verse number 8. But unto the Son he saith thy throne, O God, did the Father call his Son God? Thy throne, O God, is for how long? Forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. That little baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes with his dimpled little feet, touching the straw there as he was in the trough, the, the manger, the trough where the animals fed. That little baby in Bethlehem's manger was the Son of God, the Savior of mankind. He's the God of creation in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But John 1 said, in the beginning was the Word. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Who was that God of creation in Genesis 1? It was the same God as the babe in Bethlehem's manger. The same God that you and I have received as our Lord and Savior. The majesty of His birth. He is the God of creation. He made the manger that He's laying in. He is God from everlasting to everlasting. Somebody said it this, what's the world coming to? It's coming to Jesus. <laughs> aren't you glad? The world's coming to you. Well, we don't want that. We don't want to hear that, do we? It's coming to Jesus. He is the cradle that will rock the world. You can know and believe that. One day our dear Savior is going to step out of glory. And those blessed little, those blessed little, little infant's hands in Bethlehem's manger that later on grew and there were nails placed through those hands, those nail-pierced hands, those nail-pierced feet are going to step out over nature. And I'm going to say this to you, over heaven. And one day those pierced feet are going to once again stand on the Mount of Olives to rule and reign. The government shall be upon his shoulders. So no wonder we say, know him, no peace. Don't know him, no peace. One of the men I study with in sermon preparation sometimes is a man, a great English evangelist named Henry Morehouse. As a man saved in Henry Morehouse's meetings, the man worked at the London Zoo. He told Henry Morehouse this story. He said, when we work at the zoo, there were a couple of men that owned terrier dogs. And one day one of the men said, I wonder how many rats a terrier dog can kill in five minutes. So they bet each other. These men brought their terrier dogs and they bet which dog in five minutes would kill more rats. There in the London Zoo, they put that dog. One man put his dog down and counted how many rats the terrier killed. The other man put his dog down. And boy, that dog went to work, but he didn't kill as many rats as his friend's dog did. So the man pulled that terrier dog out and he began to stomp on it and beat it and kick it. And then when he was just about dead, he threw it over into the lion's cage. 
thinking the lion will finish him off. This man told Evangelist Henry Morehouse this. He said, I saw something that day I've never seen. He said that big old lion went over to where that terrier was. And he saw that poor beat up little body of that terrier dog. And with his big paw, he pulled that dog close to him. And he curled that, that dog underneath his neck and, ne and knelt down by it. Henry Morehouse remembered that and he said this. He said, I was that little dog. Satan came and he lied to me. He told me that eat it up, be drink and be merry. This world is all you have. And he didn't watch it when he couldn't get out of me what he wanted out of me. He kicked me and destroyed me and threw me to the lions. But that lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he suckered, he pulled us in. He guarded us. Has that happened to you? What does Christmas mean to you? The sacred mystery of the virgin birth? The saving ministry? The sovereignty of the virgin birth? Let me close with this. In the days before electronic media, when we still had landlines, man, I'm really dating myself here because I remember these days. We lived out in Ellicott, Colorado. You would dial an operator. How many of you remember that? Can you give me 683-2174? Brother Donald, what are you looking at me that way for? He said, man, Pastor, you're old. <laughs> Can you give me 683-2154? Okay, I'll put you in. A lady during those times in the late 40s received a telegraph. And here's what the telegraph said. You had a wealthy relative who died and he left you a million dollars. That's when a million dollars was a lot of money. And she got so excited, she went in her house. She just got the telegraph. She picked up the phone. She called the operator. She said, I just want a million dollars. And she would you connect me to... And the operator said, who do you want me to connect you to? She said, I don't care anybody. I just want to tell them the good news. <laughs> Christian, you say you're saved. You got more than a million dollars. That little babe in Bethlehem's manger means the world to you because he saved you and he forgave you of all your sins. And he came to, a, to an earthly home so one day you could have a heavenly home. How about calling somebody and telling them what Jesus did to you? Amen. And this Christmas, sharing the virgin birth, the blood atonement, the vicarious death, the bodily resurrection of that little baby in Bethlehem's manger. Stand, please.